Stranded Atlanta 2014 will be remembered for years and years to come. All those folks stranded in their cars on this very special Stranded edition of the Christian Car Guy Show, we are asking the simple question, what should you do? You're going to be stuck in a storm for hours and hours. What shouldn't you do? What can we learn from the Atlanteans? (laughs) (laughs) What are your thoughts? Maybe you were there this week or previously you might have been stuck in something like that and you've got a story to tell. Well, we're live today and we have lines open. We'd love to hear from you. 866-348-7884 or for the digitally gifted, 866-34-TRUTH. A little bit later in the next segment, we got Jeff Gordon, Sergeant Jeff Gordon with the North Carolina Highway Patrol. He's going to explain how the, the, the officials see this thing and what are the, some ideas that they would like to share. But we want to hear your story. So I save that for this segment. You call us 866-348-7884. What should you do? What should have they done? What is your story? We would love to hear it also today. Just help us out. We've got our very own Christian insurance guy, Bill Mixon, because all this, with all these cars and all these tow trucks, poses a bunch of insurance questions that I'm sure you're wondering about. I was wondering, and you're going to see more why you're going to be wondering about all these tow trucks rolling around. Bill, what have you got for us? Well, one one call I got over and over and over again was, if snow and ice makes me crash into the median, am I covered? And we'll get into that a little bit later. Yeah. Is that a collision or is that your comprehensive? All those questions we're going to get into. And then we we actually are, are looking for callers, people that might have been in the storm, something like that. We have Elliot Yancey here from Atlanta. And, and well, he's going to be on the phone with us. And he's also going to be on the show a little bit later with Raceway Ministries. But Elliot. What is your take on that from those people that were involved in that? Should they have gotten out of their car or should they have stayed put? Well, I mean, ultimately, you've got a 12-mile commute and you're seven hours into that 12 miles. You know, eventually you just have to get out of the car. There's nowhere to go. So you, local businesses were opening up and letting people spend the night, and, you know, just going into a gas station to get some hot coffee or whatever. You, you can only – eventually it becomes inevitable that your car is going to be out there for a couple of days because they're not going to be able to get anything cleared up. And how did the, those people that left their cars, how did they eventually get reunited <laughs> with them? Uh, well, those who weren't able to get them in a, you know, in a timely manner, they've actually got some staging areas where they, they've towed them. Um, they've got staging areas spread out all over uh, Atlanta based on where you left your car. If you're in this area, then your car would end up in, in, you know, in this parking lot or the staging area uh, if it had been towed. Wow. Thank you so much, Elliot. Yes, sir. So what are your thoughts? We would love to hear from you. 866-348-7884. Of course, we've got Elliot a little bit later with us with On Track with Andy. He is with the National Fellowship of Raceway Ministries, so we're going to hear a lot about that on our On Track with Andy section. And then coming up in our appraisal by The Real Black Book, that's where we search the Bible for hidden treasure, crowd for discernment, lift up our voice for understanding, Stranded might count for being stranded in Scientology. What? (laughs) Or stranded 
trying to witness to a Scientologist. Well, most folks that know me well know that I was in the Church of Scientology, made the mistake of joining the Sea Organization many, many, many years ago. And if you ever do that, you will have opportunities to witness to Scientologists, Scientologists for the rest of your life because about every two or three months, I get a call from somebody who decides they're going to go after this Christian and get him back into Scientology. And so I'm put on the spot in that very moment every single time on how am I going to witness to the Scientologist. So it's given me plenty of opportunities to pray and ask God to help me to do that. And that just happened to me this week. And Jesus gave me some scripture. And I want to share that with you along with some results of that call and maybe something that would help you when you're in that situation stranded, so to speak. And that's coming up at the end of the show in our appraisal by The Real Black Book. And I want to mention, obviously, well, maybe not obviously, at our website, we have all these stranded tips, supplies, things that you might be thinking about if you're ever stranded at the website, christiancarguy.com. At christiancarguy.com, there's actually a soundbite there of the interview coming up with Jeff, uh, Sergeant Jeff Gordon with the North Carolina State Department of, I mean, with the North Carolina Highway Patrol. And, of course, the Jesus Labor of Love, free car repair for single moms and widows. And we've got Vic Hill, our lead volunteer, who's been in the hospital. He's coming up in the second segment as well. And there at the website, we also have Karen Mulder's Wisdom of the Wounded and podcasts and all sorts of helpful stuff. It's all at ChristianCarGuy.com. So what are your thoughts? You're stranded up there. What are the things, you know, do you think they shouldn't have got out of their cars? The, the people that got out of their cars at the front of the line, so to speak. They left all these people stranded that were all behind them because they couldn't get tow trucks to them. What exactly happened? Maybe you've been in that situation where you were stranded in a car and you've got some wisdom for us. We would love to hear from you. 866-348-7884. Of course, we have all these tips that we've gleaned, including the ones from the sergeant there with the North Carolina High Patrol. That's coming up very shortly. But we would love to hear from you. Now, Bill... As an insurance agent, there's, those are the questions. All these cars are being towed in Atlanta to parking lots. And I guess the people are just told your car's over here. So you get there and your car has been, they, they tore the transmission out because they were supposed to use a flatbed to tear my, pull my car. And now what happens? Well, keep in mind, you got a lot of different factors going on. One is you have an insurance contract. And most states, there's a sentence in there that says once you turn your car over, to a body shop, to a uh, garage, to a tow truck. Your insurance stops and their garage liability is supposed to start up. Then you also have towing and labor coverage. So I would turn the towing charge in to see what happened. And I'm fairly certain the towing charge would be covered. The damage to the car is going to depend on what type of state or local laws there are. If the city or the state told the tow truck company to come tow your vehicle, then my guess would be you'd have to prove negligence on the part of the tow truck operator. And my guess in those situations, that would be a very difficult thing to do. But once again, if you have collision coverage, there's something called subrogation. And you could tell your insurance company, I want this turned in under a collision claim, but I want it set up as a subrogation claim, which means your insurance would pay for it. And then they would try to collect from the towing company that would be what i would try to do in that situation yeah and there's going to be a lot of folks faced with a lot of situations because with all those cars being towed I, i'm just sitting there thinking of the damage that that may be involved 
but also there, I would other... hope my b- both parts of my car ended up at the same tow lot. That's the main <laughs> thing. Well, <laughs> you know, that's all part of the coverages. You gotta, you, you gotta do that. But how about all those folks that you know? Not everybody lives in Atlanta. And how about all those folks calling you saying, does my comprehensive cover me running into the the curb because I slid on the ice? I tell you that more than once I had to say, I am so sorry. I don't have the best news for you. You collided with the median. You collided with the sign. You collided with the curb. So as a collide, it's a collision and it's not storm damage. So your collision deductible would apply, and in most cases, it's the same as if you ran into a vehicle. So it could make your insurance go up, too. What if the tree collided (laughs) with my car? The tree fell on my car. If it fell, if you weren't moving, then you didn't collide with the tree. The tree fell on you, and that's a comprehensive (laughs) claim. So if you can get a tree in the middle of the road to fall on your car while it's parked, then you're probably rather safe on a comprehensive claim. And so there you there you go. And the other, there's several issues because now you're stranded in this car, and and and, and we're going to talk about later. One of the great ideas that I've found from this is one of the neat things is out there is to burn a candle. If you're stranded, you're sitting there freezing to death. You, they have these emergency candles. It's a lot better than setting fire to your tires. And, yes. And, and these things burn for like 50 hours. There's a, I've got a uh, link at christiancarguy.com. Of course, you need to crack your window so you don't give yourself carbon monoxide. Not just crack it a little bit, but they say that the warmth off this thing is amazing. And then you've got, you know, nothing well, like a fire. Don't get to... the insect one. Don't, don't get the insect <laughs> candles lit by mistake. Yeah, that's not necessary while you're sitting in the snowbank. But so you're burning this candle and you fall asleep. And it burns your car. What's what? What's up with the insurance for that? As long as it's accidental, I'm 99% sure there's, it would be treated like any other fire. If your engine catches fire, that's covered under your comprehensive, and it doesn't make your insurance go up. All right. Now, so if you set fire to the seat to stay warm, that's not going to work. <laughs> All right. You may have questions. We have answers. 866-348-7884. When we come back, again, Sergeant uh, with the North Carolina Highway Patrol is going to be with us, giving us real tips. And we got the Jesus Labor Love. So much more coming at you. On track with Andy. Stay tuned. What do you do when you're stranded in the snow? We're hoping to glean some wisdom from you. If you've had that experience today, we'd love for you to call 866-348-7884. But we also have several things we've put together we'd love to share with you. We're going to just get right going with uh, Sergeant Jeff Gordon with the North Carolina Highway Patrol. Well, we are so honored to have Sergeant Jeff Gordon with us today on the North Carolina Highway Patrol. And Sergeant Gordon, I know so many people across the country are wondering, as we read what every website will tell you, the first thing you do when your car is stranded is stay with your car. What would you recommend to people that they do in the situation in Atlanta? What, what would be something that we could glean from this experience that would be helpful? 
Well, I think it's important first that you uh, you kind of go back a little bit, and, and what happened in Atlanta kind of leads to some uh, some kind of pre-preventive type of what I call kits that you can use. And the reason I say this is, although it won't be helpful for people that were in that type of situation earlier, but we always suggest that people keep an emergency kit in their vehicle, and uh, that's for in case you experience any type of inclement weather and so forth. In that kit, your basic necessities, number one, it's important that you have a cell phone with you because you do need communication, and every day, nowadays everybody has a smartphone. You also want to have such items as flashlights, uh, a blanket, and also keep a bottle of water or, or a gallon of water in your vehicle as well. You know, some people even go to the extent of putting some sleeping bags. And I know that uh, trunk space is a commodity, but if you have a few basic necessities and you find yourself in a situation that you're going to be in your vehicle for a prolonged time, such as what occurred in Atlanta, these things can make you more comfortable until you can uh, get help. But now going forward, as you discussed, um, you're right. Most of the, the, uh, the people say that you do need to stay with your vehicle. However, in this situation, you were in a, a metropolitan area where people could get out and walk. Now, the danger comes in uh, here is when you get out of the vehicle and you still have other vehicles that could possibly be moving. You know, that was a very uh, treacherous situation. The roads were slick, and it would be very easy for somebody to, uh, to be walking from a vehicle and get struck. So that's where it kind of becomes a decision as far as the motorist. If you have areas that are around there, such as service stations, gas stations, and supermarkets from some, what some of the, the media that I saw that people went to to kind of uh, wait this out, then by all means, that's a, that's a good, good thing to do. But it really has to depend on the situation, where you're at, um, whether to stay with the vehicle. Um, so that would be my suggestion for that. Yeah, it's a matter of, of using wisdom. And then there was the other situation in Minnesota where the man got out of his car and he froze to death. Absolutely. And that, that brings up another thing. It doesn't take but a short period of time for hypothermia to set in. And depending on where you're at and how far you have to walk, if you choose to leave your vehicle, then that can be a, a, a life-changing decision that you make. Now, I will tell you this. If you do decide to stay with the vehicle, you know, the number one uh, thing that you have going for you is that you have gas in your vehicle. If you're going to be stranded in your vehicle for a long period of time, what the experts suggest that you do is to only run your vehicle in increments of like 15 to 20 minutes. That way you can allow your car to heat up. You can then cut it off, and then you can uh, keep doing that repetitiously until you have a, a, a more opportunity or until help arrives. So that's another thing you need to kind of be cautious of as well and, and, and use towards your favor. Right, and it's also, from what I understand, critical to make sure that your exhaust is not covered by snow or something that would cause you to get carbon monoxide poisoning. And also, they say you keep your windows cracked open a little bit to keep some ventilation. Well, that's true. You know, you got to be careful that that tailpipe's not covered um, because you're right, carbon monoxide will kill you. It's, it's a silent killer, uh, and it is it has taken many lives uh, across the United States. And not only keeping the fresh air through the vehicle, just as you said, it also keeps you more alert, more awake. So that's a good thing. And if you need to get out and stretch your legs, then by all means do that. You know, that was a, that was a terrible situation that the people in Atlanta experienced. And uh, it kind of got me thinking, you know, we had a similar situation here in North Carolina several, several years ago where we had uh, people here in the Raleigh-Durham area particularly that were leaving for work. The forecasters didn't believe that the temperatures were going to drop below freezing. And uh, they did as everybody was commuting to their residence that night. And what we had was the roads instantaneously turned to a sheet of ice. Uh, 
Uh, people could not go anywhere, um, and people were stuck. Now, it wasn't to the, the magnitude as far as what Atlanta experienced, but it shows you there how quick that we really need to uh, to monitor the weather. As you as you know as well as I do, the uh, the weather forecast or trying to forecast the weather uh, here in North Carolina and also in the southeastern part of the United States can be very tricky, and uh, and it's always something that we need to be cognizant of and, and kind of be aware of what the potential is, and then, of course, adjust accordingly when you're going to be planning to travel and so forth. Well, Sergeant, we really, really are so grateful for your time today, and and hopefully we can all get some wisdom from what the folks in Atlanta experienced. In the future, we'll not put ourselves in harm's way or an officer or somebody else. That's exactly right. That's you know the one thing, one good thing about this whole situation in Atlanta, and you kind of hit the nail on top of the head is that we can always learn from an experience. And uh, we'll definitely learn from this, um, and we'll take something good out of a bad situation. There you go. God bless you again. Thank you so much, Sergeant. Jeff Gordon with the North Carolina Highway Patrol. Thank you. You know, Bill, one of the things that as I studied this, and I and I put all these tips on my website, christiancarguy.com, and there's really a lot of cool things that you might think of that you hadn't thought of. But the one that just keeps coming back time and time again is pray, don't panic. Um, I, you know, when you get in that situation, you, you, panic causes you to get out of the car and get struck, causes you to do a lot of things very quickly wrongly rather than stop and slow down and think through, God, what would you have me do in this situation? It, it's, it's just critical. The other thing I think about is you're sitting there with all these other people alone in their car. If you could figure out the right people all get in one car, you'd be a lot safer. But how do you figure that out? I don't know. But the prayer is an important way to keep your wits and make a good decision. Absolutely. And we've, we've got a lot of those tips coming your way. But we do want to get to, since it is the first Saturday of the month, it's our Jesus Labor of Love Saturday, which is free car repair labor for single moms and widows across the country. And we always get... A lot of inquiries this time of the month because it is coming up on the first Saturday of the month. And we actually uh, just within the last 24 hours, we had five folks come to us for help needing car repair for single moms, widows. And, and these kind of things just break your heart when you read the stories. But what that highlights is the fact that our ministry currently, our lead volunteer, Vic Hill, has been in the hospital for over a month and we have him on the phone to get a quick report from him but we need help we need more volunteers uh you can go to christiancarguy.com and click on that volunteer form and help us out there we're going to have vic when we come back and on track with andy so stay tuned we got a lot coming up And coming and the raceway ministries that we're hearing regularly on the Christian Car Guy Show on our On Track with Andy segment. You're listening to the Christian Car Guy Show with Robbie Dillmore. Today we've got Bill Mixon, our Christian insurance guy, and we want to get real quick into the Jesus labor of love. I've told you that that we've we're in need of some help because our main volunteer, Vic Hill, he's had some kidney failure and so he's been in the hospital we appreciate your prayer so very much and the update is he's in rehab and he's doing a little bit better but i asked him to come on today and tell people how easy 
his job really is that you don't have to be the world's leading expert on car repair to do your job, do you, Vic? No, you don't. All you need to do is to understand people's needs and then try to fill them with the right mechanic and, and, and kind of, you know, talking to the people and just trying to put them at ease and let them know there's help out there for them. And uh, that's about all you need to do. You don't need to really know anything about a car. Generally, if they uh, just take their car in and have it looked at, and the mechanic tells them what they need, they go buy the equipment or let the mechanic supply it, and then just pay for the part. And uh, it's, it's a really great, great thing. I was talking to people yesterday about it. They were amazed that there was something like that around. Yeah, what a blessing you could be to somebody, and you get to be on the other end of that blessing. If you go to ChristianCarGuy.com and click on the Jesus Labor Love, you'll see there's a place to click for volunteers, and if you send that in, we will get you processed. But we got to move on to our On Track with Andy segment. Andy, well, somebody's got to take my shoes there. <laughs> That's right. While. we got to get somebody to fill Vic's shoes. Thank you, Vic. God bless you, buddy. <laughs> Andy, are you out there? So welcome back to another segment of On Track with Andy. It's, it's another day, and we've got Elliot Yancey with us today. Elliot is the new executive director of Raceway Ministries. And for those of you that were listening last week, you know we had Dwight Sisk on with Timothy Cup, who does some activities with Raceway Ministries. But here this week, we, we've got the director of, of Raceway Ministries uh, National, basically, or the National Fellowship. So. Elliot, say, say hello and give us a little bit of background about what Raceway Ministries is and, and how you got involved with it. Absolutely. Pleasure to be here. Honored to follow up Dwight Sisk. Uh, he, he's been serving with us for a long time, does a lot of great ministry all over the country. Uh, it's always fun to, to run into him in different states as he's traveling around and, and following the circuit doing ministry. Raceway Ministries is a volunteer organization that essentially over the last 25 to 30 years has grown from local groups at, at, at various speedways across the country doing ministry through local churches and those types of things or local ministry groups. Uh, we've grown into now a national organization that we kind of figured out several years ago that, hey, we're all doing the same thing, and there's, it's a lot cheaper to learn from other people's mistakes. So if we can all meet together and, and discuss and, and have some central leadership, then uh, hopefully we can operate a lot more efficient and, and better serve the race fans and, and the communities across the country that we serve at the Speedways. Yeah, so so basically your organization, like the official name is the National Fellowship of Raceway Ministries, right? And that and that encompasses like chapters that operate at different racetracks around the country. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. So. And every speedway that certainly that NASCAR goes to, and then and then also in addition to that, there'd be weekly racing series and and regional racing series that we would have chaplains that are out there serving. But as far as NASCAR goes, we would have, for instance, Raceway Ministries Atlanta or Raceway Ministries Bristol or Raceway Ministries Kentucky. And, and so there is a local chapter at every single NASCAR venue across the country. And then the national group just kind of serves as an organizing body and, and a problem-solving body that some of the leadership in, in NASCAR or SMI or ISC can approach us to, to help them uh, better serve their fans. All right, so when we talk about racetrack ministry, you know, there's a lot of people listening that probably don't really understand what that means or have in their minds that 
you know, how can how can you be ministering when there's uh, just a bunch of race car fans running around? But what what does that actually look like, like on the ground at these different chapters? What what happens? Give us give us a scene there in the course of a weekend, and and then maybe you know we'll follow up with how other people can get involved if they want to help volunteer with some of these. So so tell us what that looks like on the ground. Absolutely. Uh, we just came off of a conference where we rolled out a new ministry strategy nationwide. Basically, to talk about it quickly, Mark chapter 6, Jesus sends out the 12 on their on their first mission trip. And the message version of that scripture says, Jesus commands the 12 that you guys do not need a lot of equipment for this. You are the equipment. Keep it simple. And basically sends them out to go and serve people's needs and share the gospel. So we are calling that passage out of Mark chapter 6 in the racing ministry world, we've branded that the M6 initiative. And so the M6 initiative basically says this, God has given you as an individual certain gifts, talents, abilities, and resources. And we ask you to bring your gifts, talents, abilities, and resources into our environment to meet people's needs. So Andy, you would walk into a, a campground or you know an information booth or a fan plaza or whatever it is, and you would see different needs and things would jump out at you in a different way than, than necessarily what I would. And God has given you certain gifts, talents, abilities, and resources that are different from mine and would allow you to meet people's needs that are obvious to you in a very real and individual way and probably in ways that I could never meet those needs because God hasn't equipped me the same way he's equipped you. And so we ask people from all over the country to come to our environment with their God-given gifts, talents, and abilities to simply serve and meet people's needs. As we meet needs, that forms the foundation of a relationship, and the relationship is the ministry. So kind of the big caveat is it's not a three-day mission trip. It's a 10-year commitment. So when you come out and volunteer with us, we're looking, we're looking 10 years down the road as how can you develop, begin to develop relationships today that are going to pay off in five, seven, ten years later. You know, Robbie, I don't know about you, but I'm sitting here listening to this, and it just, I think that is one of the clearest capsules of what racetrack ministry is all about, what you just said there, Elliot. It, you know, since we started doing this segment, Robbie, to, to take that, what are your gifts, talents, and abilities, and how can people say, you know what, like, I'm good at baking cookies, and I can come minister to the to some of the kids at the track and engage them in relationship and conversation. So, Robbie, what do you think about that? Like, was that not just the nugget that caps it off right there? <laughs> Absolutely wonderful. And, you know, that's God's tapping us all on the shoulder exactly like that, not just at the raceway, in our everyday lives. I mean, Elliot, I, I just, I, you just give me a newfound appreciation for that. Of, uh, I'm going to be thinking about Mark chapter six every time I see you guys this season. So, I think, uh, you know, before we before we um, end this, Elliot, is there is there any way in particular that people can find out? Like, do you have websites to go to, or how can people find how they can get in, get involved and use their abilities to help you out? Absolutely, we are currently rebuilding um, our website. It's RacewayMinistries.com. It is basically just a splash page right now, but in the, in the next couple of weeks, it will be up and fully functional. Long story short, we have about 4,000 volunteers all over the country, and we need more. Uh, the, the, the need is great. I guess it's the old cliche, the, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And so if you have a passion for relational ministry, uh, coming out and getting your hands dirty, it's not flashy, uh, it's, it's not 
going to get you free race tickets or anything like that. But but if you want to come out and get your hands dirty and serve people and do it for the next 10 years, then you are exactly the person that I want. Now, many people always say, well, I don't know anything about racing or I've never been to a racetrack. And the truth is that makes you the perfect volunteer because a passionate race fan who's followed racing of any kind for their entire lives, they tend to be distracted by the environment and miss the ministry. So if you are someone who has a true passion for people and doesn't know anything about racing, but you can do relationships and God's given you unique talents, abilities, and resources that you want to use to serve him, then you are exactly the person that I want. Well, Elliot, that was a pleasure. Thanks so much for having, uh, for taking some time being with us. And, and folks, there you have it. It's, it's Elliot Yancey, Raceway Ministries. Um, check them out. Go online. Just about any racetrack, you could probably even find some pictures on the Internet of activities and things that they do for the kids, for the fans, and, and breakfast, and loads of outreach events. So, Elliot, thanks again for being with us. And, uh, Robbie, we'll turn it back to you. It is also, Andy, I just I just thank you Um the Pray for Your Pastor tour going on that, of course, Ener- Energized Ministries, Andy Bowersox, it's all there at the website, as well as links to Raceway Ministries. It's all there at ChristianCarGuy.com. But what an honor it is to have you guys on the team. Well, it's our privilege, for sure. Thank you so much, Elliot. Yes, sir. It's a pleasure to be with you guys today. No? It's wonderful to hear that stuff, and we, we got a little time to share a few more of our tips of what do you do when you're stranded so to speak, when you're stranded out there in the interstate or in your car, we've got that coming up in the next segment. Plus our appraisal by the Real Black Book, Stranded in Scientology. What about that? Oh, man, you got to stay tuned just to find out what in the world's Robbie talking about. <laughs> we got so much coming at you. Stay tuned. just count on the fact that he is coming i read something just last night that was just gave me that kind of feeling like wow like did you ever think about that when adam had messed up eve had gone wrong god came after him <laughs> so even if you're in that snowbank on your own free god will come after you if you wait on the lord he's gonna be there we got a couple of tips I don't want to miss out on sharing with you. I usually tell people don't fill your car up with gas because it's carrying a lot of extra weight. When you're going out on a winter trip, if there was ever a time to make sure you are filled up and stay filled up regularly, that is the time because you can see if you get stranded, that becomes a necessary thing. And keeping your windows cracked and running your car 10 to 15 minutes every hour, just like the sergeant mentioned. But the other thing is to think about some of these emergency things, like the emergency candle and this Mylar blanket. I saw a TV show recently where a guy was on this mountain in Alaska, and he pulls out this Mylar blanket like you could get for $1.50, and this guy's staying warm on the mountain in Alaska. I'm thinking that's that that's a pretty handy thing, and I got a link there, christiancarguy.com, for the candle or the blanket. We got Jim in Greensboro. He's got a comment for us about being stranded. Jim, you're on the Christian Car Guy show. Good morning. Good morning. You guys really do a good job, a good job, and you're very, very helpful to the community 
and the uh, radio what area which you broadcast at large. Um, my comment really pertains to possibility of getting stranded. My wife and I were traveling from um, Morganton, North Carolina, late at night, very late at night, and all of a sudden it was a uh, snowy situation, an icy situation, and we, she was driving, and she hit a, a very icy spot, black ice. Wow. And uh, all of a sudden, she panicked, I panicked. She she screamed, I hollered. I didn't scream, I hollered. You know, dudes don't, don't scream. So <laughs> uh, uh, the car started turning around, 360 degrees. Complete revolution, at least at least twice. And I imagine myself going down an embankment and ended up in the hospital. So what I did, I started calling on the Lord. That's the good part. Are you still there, Jim? He started calling on the Lord, and then his phone went dead. Oh no! Oh no! Jim, are you there? Oh wow. Well, we were going to hope that Jim gets back to us, but we do have to get into our appraisal by the real black book because he was coming down the embankment when all of a sudden Satan didn't want that story to be told the rest of the way, but I'm just thinking God showed up for him. But we got to move on to our appraisal by the real black book. That's where we search the Bible for hidden treasure. <clears throat> Cry out for discernment. Lift up our voice for understanding. Well, as I mentioned, I was stranded in the Church of Scientology years ago when I was a young man, and I got out and became a Christian. And once you're in the Church of Scientology, they follow you for the rest of your life, especially if you're in the C organization. So about every three months, I get this call. Well, one night this week, I got that call. And immediately, the girl started talking about, well, you can be in Scientology, and you can be a Christian, too. You can do both at the same time. It's just so easy. And she had all this wisdom, she thought, on how I could be a Scientologist and be a Christian. And, of course, I began to engage that and talk, and I was praying, God, give me something. I really need something. And, unfortunately, uh, we got into this discussion that essentially was a wisdom discussion, man's wisdom versus God's wisdom, and it just didn't go anywhere. And, unfortunately, I don't feel like I made any progress. And for the first time in years, she actually wanted to end the conversation because I was, and I wasn't one bit not nice to her. I was just giving her stuff that was logically made sense, which put her in an awkward place. In other words, I won the argument, but I lost the war because she hung up. And I was praying the next morning, God, you got to give me something. And I came across this scripture and it really taught me something. It said, my message, it's 1 Corinthians 2, 4 and 5. And it says, my message and preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the spirit's power so that your faith might rest not on human wisdom, but on God's power. And I said, isn't that interesting? I just had that conversation last night. Now, God, you've given me this. And I started praying, God, what would be a demonstration of your power rather than me using this wisdom with these Scientologists? And I thought, what story would I tell the next time? Because they're calling the next time. And I remembered the time, you know, after I got through the Church of Scientology, when I was not long after I was a Christian, I was terribly afraid of the dark. I really was. And one night I was just all creeped out. My family wasn't there, and I was laying in bed scared to death. You can see the lightning, and it was dark. And I just cried out, God, you got to help me with this fear. I'm so afraid of the dark. And Jesus showed up to me that night in an audible voice, said, Robbie, what would be so the worst thing you could possibly imagine that would happen? And I said, well, a man could come in with a knife, and he could stab me, and it would be horrible. 
And Jesus said to me that night, Robbie, what would be so bad about that? And for the first time in my life, I realized, wow, if I die, I get to be with Jesus. You're threatening me with Jesus. I can do this. And I, and I realized what life really meant. And I thought, you know, that would be a great story to share with a Scientologist because there's no wisdom there. And then the follow-up story with that is a year later, I was diagnosed with cancer and thought I was going to die, but a lot of people prayed for me, and I survived that, and I don't have time to go into that story right now. But shortly thereafter, I was crushed between two cars, and my leg was almost severed, and I had to wait for hours on an ambulance and, because we were way up in the mountains. And Jesus came, I'll never, ever forget it, because I called on him, and he came, and he gave me this hug to where when the medics finally got there and they gave me the um, morphine, I didn't make any difference because I was already feeling Jesus. I already had a hug. I would share those stories, you see, because those stories are God's power, his faith. The, the, the Scientologists could rest their faith on those stories rather on Robbie's wisdom because I could argue them but the Bible versus Scientology until the cows came home. But that wouldn't necessarily put God's power on display like those stories would. I wanted to share that. But Jim is back from Greensboro. We got talk about God's power. Jim, it's perfect timing. Tell us what happened. How did he save your bacon? Jim, you're on the phone. Jim, don't tell me we lost you again. No. <laughs> okay. No. All right, finish your story. You were sliding down and you called on Jesus. Yeah, we were sliding on the highway and turning around two or three times and calling on the Lord. We did not end up in the hospital. The car turned around and started uh, in a, like a reverse situation, but we, it wasn't moving. So we were really able to uh, re, uh, turn the car back around in the correct direction, and we headed on to uh, Greensboro. And uh, so my, my key point is this. If you get into a stranded situation or an emergency situation, just call on the Lord. Jesus took the wheel. Yes, he did. <laughs> That's so cool. Thank you, Jim. God bless you. That was great timing. It went just perfect with what I was talking about. I'm so glad you called back. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. How awesome is that? And that's exactly the stuff. That's the stuff I'm talking about. That when people see how God worked in your life, they can't argue. There's no wisdom involved in that. All the wisdom is, see, again, think about that verse this week. Maybe you can come up with your own story that would illustrate God's power. Again, 1 Corinthians 2, 4 and 5, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, which, by the way, he was talking about the gospel, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. And we're talking boom, boom power here. We're not just talking about pop, pop power we're talking about the real thing. Well, thank you for listening to the Christian Car Guy show this week. We're hoping you don't get stranded this week. But if you do, with your smartphone, you could go to ChristianCarGuy.com and download all these wonderful tips, how to get the candle, a Mylar blanket. Maybe they could figure out a way to drop it by helicopter to you. I don't know. But you can go to ChristianCarGuy.com find out about that. We need volunteers for the Jesus Labor Love. Free car repair for single moms and widows. Remember, slow down. Jesus walked everywhere he went and got it all done in 33 years. And how about thinking about it this week? What would be your story if someone asked you for the reason that the hope was within you? Be prepared. Ask God to give you one ahead of time. Thanks for listening to The Christian Car Guy Show. You're listening to The Truth Network and truthnetwork.com.